We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In the 2021 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Panay Sewell, tackle, Oregon. He's going to run it straight in. Jared Goldberg. Yes. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. DJ Hawkinson, yes. they did it. They tied it. They're an extra point away from winning this game. Oh, baby, how big is that? Yo, what is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Pride Podcast, episode 241 on the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Tyler, joined by my main guy, as always, Mr. Peer. Peer, how are you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing great, Tyler. After that haul they had over the weekend, man, it feels good to be a Lions fan. Yeah, no Malcolm with us today, but this is a very, very special episode. This is our annual draft recap episode. I just want to thank everybody throughout the whole draft process, starting all the way back in January, going all the way till now. It's been absolutely unbelievable the support we've been getting throughout the draft. And all the people that joined us live for the draft on Twitter Spaces was absolutely unreal. Day one on Thursday, day two on Friday was absolutely amazing. I mean, Thursday, day one was crazy because we obviously did our pick two and that was scheduled we, we knew we were going to do that and we talked for a little bit throughout the first couple picks and then we ended it and then we were expected to go back for pick 32 but brad holmes gave us no breaks that night trades up to pick 12 and we had to come right back on twitter spaces and then we ended up just doing doing the rest of the round one it was absolutely crazy but just want to thank you guys all again but yeah, this is our draft recap. So, Peter, I know you said you're excited about the haul the Lions got, but overall, before we get into it, how are you feeling just about this draft? You know, it's finally finished. How are you feeling after seeing everything that happened? They added a, a couple starters. Let's say maybe three to four starters, potentially, right? Um, a lot of depth. Much needed depth, too. So I feel really good. They had a lot of draft picks. We've been hyping about how many draft picks are going to have this, this uh, draft, and... Yeah, like Peter said, I think there's a lot of spots they address in this draft, and it's going to be used at some point during the season with all the depth that they address in this draft. But as I said, let's get right into it. Let's start off with our first pick, and it was the number two overall pick in the NFL draft, and that ended up being Michigan edge rusher Aiden Hutchinson. Peter, this was your guy. This was your number one guy on your board. 
How are you feeling yeah. that the Lions got Aiden Hutchins here at pick two? I think it was pretty easy, honestly, because this is a guy who could defend the run, could rush the passer. Thibodeau could do that, too, obviously. It's just kind of all on preference. Like, who do you want? They both have high ceilings. Um, I don't think either of them has reached their ceiling yet. And they went with the hometown guy, probably a guy maybe Cantrell is probably more comfortable with, right? I mean, there was maybe some concerns about Thibodeau. I thought they were a little overblown, but I'm pretty sure Hutch is more of a Campbell guy than Thibodeau. But I think he's still like Thibodeau, though. So... Yeah. Are you just kind of excited now that we're past this that we got our guy? Like, it, it, we knew all along that it was probably going to be Hutchinson or Thibodeau, but like, we had so much time. We're hearing from so many different people throw out different names out at pick two. Are you just kind of relieved that it was Agent Hutchinson ended up being the pick at two? I was so relieved it wasn't a corner or a safety. Um, if they went quarterback, I'd understand. But then I think obviously the media also overhyped these quarterbacks. Um, yeah, they just did. We'll get it. We'll, that's maybe another episode for another day. But yeah. like we knew, we always talked about positional value, right? And we always talked about look, you I, you take you don't take a corner or safety here. It wouldn't make sense, and they didn't. And they went with uh, the best player on the board. With Hutch, yeah, I, I like to pick a lot, and I've I've said it throughout the whole process. Give me one of them. Give me one of Hodgson or Thibodeau. I'm not going to complain about either one. They ended up getting if they end up going that route. They did go that route, so I'm completely content. Love both guys. I don't even think we really have to even describe the players that we're really the player that we're getting here with Hutchinson because I feel like we talked about him so much throughout the process. But like just Pierre said, you're getting a guy who's going to rush the quarterback, a guy who was number two in the Heisman, a guy who could set the edge on the running plays. He's a three-down edge rusher. You're going to see a lot of Aiden Hutchinson, and I think that's just very exciting to finally get a true edge rusher because it feels like every single draft, we're one pick short from getting a guy that we really want. Or it happens every year. Lions sitting here at pick two. It feels like we finally got a guy that I think most Lions fans could agree on that they really like this pick here with Aiden Hutchinson. So I, I, I'm completely content with that. I've said it through January. I'm going to stick with it. I love Aiden Hutchinson pick it it's a it's an amazing pick and it, it felt like for a very long time that we weren't even going to have an opportunity to take him because it felt like for a very long time that he was going to be the number one pick to jacksonville but i guess last week some stuff spilled a little bit pick ended up being trayvon walker so the lions got their hands on eight hundred and so again no complaints yeah um i'm so relieved jacksonville took trayvon walker i did not want him at lines now i might maybe i'll look stupid for that in a couple years who knows but at like this time right now, I didn't want him on my team. Also, we didn't mention this, but Hutch could also rush from the interior. That's what AG said. He said his freshman year, he rushed from the interior, and he loved his versatility. So, yeah, I, I was on the same boat with you. I told you, Thibodeau or Hutchinson, I was not on the Trayvon Walker yeah. hype train. So to kind of see him going one, that was a big relief because that means the Lions could even have the opportunity to touch him. So I don't even know what the Lions were thinking on Trayvon Walker because we'll never know that. But I could feel very satisfied. And again, Peter, like you said, I might sound super for this, but I'm completely fine with Jacksonville taking Trayvon Walker and the Lions never being able to answer that question whether they've taken Trayvon Walker or not at you. So I'm right. completely content with that. And if he turns to a star, I'll be like, yo, I was wrong on him, whatever, good That's for fine. him. I right. and I'll and I'll be okay with that. Because I think Aiden Hutchinson, I just I can't see him being a bad player in the league. You know, maybe he's not the superstar that everyone thinks he's going to be, and that's fine. But I just can't see Hutchinson being a bad player. Like, I can't ever see the label bust with Hutchinson. I, I just can't see it. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. Yeah, so. All right, 
let's talk about pick 12. And you guys are probably like, pick 12? Why are you talking about pick 12 here? I thought you had pick 32. No, Brad Holmes showed his cards. He says, we're going to make a trade. We're going to trade up 20 spots in this draft, and we're going to take arguably the best wide receiver in the whole entire draft. class. So to break down the trade, the Lions traded pick 32, pick 34, and pick 66, and the Lions acquired pick 12 and pick 46. So if you really want to look at it, the Lions moved back or they moved up 20 spots in the first round, moved back 12 spots in the second, and traded a third-round pick. I think that's phenomenal value, <laughs> if you really think about it. Moving up 20 spots in the first round and still accumulating a second-round pick, only moving back 12 spots, and only trading a third-round pick, like, I think that's tremendous value. And I think Jamison Williams, you're bringing him in this offense. I said it with my argument with Debo Samuel. I said it with my argument with Tyreek Hill, and not, not, not that I necessarily wanted Tyreek Hill on my football team, but the, my argument was you get a wide receiver one. You get a legitimate wide receiver one. I think this offense has the ability to be a top 10, top 12 offense in the whole NFL with yeah. or without Jared Goff. And – we don't know what Jameson Williams is going to be like a pro because he is a rookie. He's never taken a snap in the NFL. I understand that. But the traits that you see with Jameson Williams, what you saw at Alabama, I, like, I have no doubt in my mind that he's not a wide receiver one this league. Like I have no doubt in my mind he's not a wide receiver one this league. I'm so confident that he's going to be our wide receiver one for such a long time. So I see why Brad Holmes moved up 20 spots to – to secure that player because Jamison Williams is not going to be there at 32. Jamison Williams is not going to be there at 34 for you. And what Brad did was he saw the wide receiver market. The wide receiver market with current NFL players is crazy right now with the amount of these players you're getting paid. You saw Christian Kirk get 17 to 18 annually. You're seeing A.J. Brown get a big payday. You're seeing Debo Samuel one out. So, and he's, he's going to get a big payday. Terry McLaurin probably going to get a big payday. These receivers, these young receivers are going to get big paydays. So what the Lions did here was move up 20 spots, secure them a, a top receiver in this class, get them on a rookie deal. Instead of waiting around at 32-34, where you could be getting a good player at, at the wide receiver position, but it's a lot more riskier. Like, who, who are you more confident that's going to be a very good receiver in this league, a wide receiver one? Christian Watson or Jamison Williams? The easy answer is Jamison Williams. And that's not a right. knock on Christian Watson because I like Christian Watson a lot. But my confidence level of him being the wide receiver one compared to Jamison Williams, it's not even really close, honestly. So Brad followed his board. Um, didn't want to wait around for a wide receiver because the run that was going in the draft, the amount of money these guys are getting paid. So Brad went up 20 spots. He said, I'm going to get a wide receiver one on Thursday. He tried to trade for Debo Samuel, didn't get that done. San Francisco said no. So he said, you know what? I'm going to go up and trade for Jameson Williams. And he got that done. So the Lions, I think, secured themselves. Their wide receiver won for a very long time. And whether your opinion on golf is that you like him or you don't like him, that doesn't matter right now. Because your offense right now with whoever your quarterback is, is very, very good. It's very, very young. And any quarterback that steps into that situation is stepping into a very good situation. You got Jamison Williams and Monroe St. Brown as your one-two punch right now. That's very, very good. TJ right. Hawkinson is your tight end, and you're setting him up with the top ten offensive line. That's yeah, a very good um, offense. So the actually the trade got leaked what they offered deep for us. Uh, it was thirty-two and sixty-six. The Jets also offered number ten and a fifth, I believe. Both yeah, offers were declined. Um, and then 
this trade actually Holmes was actually calling teams like Williams was their number one receiver from my understanding. So Holmes gave Campbell, I believe this was from Albert Breer. Holmes gave Campbell like five players to watch on tape. And the last one Campbell watched was um, Jamison Williams. And he fell in love when he watched him. So then they made an agreement along with Sheila Ford that they were going to try to trade up for him. And on the morning of the uh, of the draft around three or four o'clock, uh, Brad Holmes, so the day before first, Brad Holmes was calling around teams in that 12, 13, 14, 9, 10 range, whatever. They knew top 10 would be too expensive. So they called like the 11 through 14 or so. I'm not exactly which ones they called, but they called a few teams. And Minnesota actually um, said like, yo, like, let's try to get this thing done. So three or four o'clock day of the draft, Holmes checks in with Quasey. He says, if this player's on the board, let's do the trade. And they agree to the trade, right? Like parameters, obviously. The player has to be there. And we'll do this trade with you. So that's what happened. And he fleeced a rookie GM. He fleeced him. We are I talking mean, about 20 spots, giving only up a third round pick. Yeah. You didn't get I mean, you didn't, Yeah. You got a second round pick in return. Yes, you moved back in the draft. But who cares? You moved back 12 spots, keeping a second round pick, only traded pick 66. To move up 20 spots in the first round, like, guys, that is very. Like significant. That's a significant move. Twenty spots in the first round is is huge. That's not moving up five spots. That's not moving up four spots. Twenty spots is significant. And they only gave yeah. up a third round pick and moved back twelve spots in the second round to move up twenty spots in the most important in the most important round of the NFL draft, the first round. Right. Um, that is significant. And we've I, I don't know how many times we've said this on the podcast, but. We've always talked about speed, 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 speed. Maybe Marvin Hall is like, honestly, like this sounds bad, but Marvin Hall is the last like true, true, like speedster they have. That doesn't count, man. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. It doesn't count. So like now you finally add like a guy that could potentially be like a Tyree Kill type. I'm not saying he's good, like he's Tyree Kill right now, but he could potentially be that, right? 6'2", around 180. Um, really good deep route runner. His acceleration is really good. He has a little trouble with run blocking, getting off press, but I think you could teach that. Get a little stronger, hit the weight room, and you'll be fine with that. I want to also mention with Jamison Williams. Like, Jamison Williams, the player himself, is great. Like, just him being on the field is great, and the impact that he's going to make on the field is great. But right. it's a carryover effect in your whole entire offense when you add a guy like Jamison Williams on your offense. Absolutely. It opens up for guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, opens up for guys like TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift in that backfield, and whoever's on the field, DJ Chark. It opens up for everybody who's on the field just with his presence on the football field. And obviously, he's a rookie. He's going to have to gain that credibility. But trust me, once he gets on that football field, he's going to gain that credibility very, very fast. And you know, me and Pierre and Malcolm, we talked about this all the time last year. The Lions just don't have a guy where a defensive coordinator, an offensive coordinator is just, they're like, oh, man, how are we going to stop this guy? They're not losing sleep over any guys on our on our defense or offense. Jamison Williams, and you can make the argument with Aiden Hutchinson, who they got here, pick two. So both their first-round picks. You can make the argument that defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators, they're going to be like, wow, how are we going to stop Jamison Williams? On the offense side of the ball, the offensive coordinators, how are we going to stop Aiden Hutchinson on the edge? You know, we have a guy yeah. in our division. We've had guys in our division. One's gone, Devontae Adams. When we're doing our game plans, how are we going to stop Devontae Adams? When we play the Vikings, how are we going to stop Justin Jefferson? 
there's always a guy, I feel like. And I feel like the Lions got their guy now. This might be a little premature because he's a rookie, hasn't played a snap yet. But I'm just so that I'm so confident he's gonna be that guy. So I'm so excited that Jameson Williams is the line. Yeah, and uh, another thing is regarding his health. I, I don't necessarily know if like Williams was just saying this or not, but he said he should be ready to go by training camp. I also wouldn't be shocked if he starts the year on pop. If the line just kind of like, yeah. there's no need to rush him. There's so no need. To yeah, rush him. because you know, like this year is important. Yeah, but I feel like 2023 is the year where like, let's you're get gonna, this. You're, show going. you're gonna push all your marbles into the season and. Even if Jamison Williams goes on pop, has to miss the first six weeks, that's not that's not bad. I mean, he could be be that's back not. in the middle of the season, depending on when the bye week is. Maybe he can back after the bye. Just that we don't know. We'll see when the schedule drops on May twelfth. But no, there's no need to rush a guy like this. And with the circumstances your team is in right now, you're not in a situation where it's let's go win a division, let's go make the playoffs right. for sure. That would be great if you could do that, but you're not in that category where, like, we have to get this or it's a bust season. The Lions are still in a rebuilding process, so they could take their thing. They could take the timing slowly with Jameis and Williams. So, I mean, just play play by the ear. If he's ready and he's ready to go, then, yeah, shit, play him. I'm ready. I'm ready Absolutely. to watch Jameis and Williams. Um, but there's yeah. no need to rush him. Right. And another thing is, too, like, he's not just, like, a guy you, you just throw deep to. So, if you run him, like, throw him on a slant, he has, like, elite acceleration. Like, he runs by, guys. Um, there was this clip. I believe it was in the national title game, or it was it was versus Georgia. I don't know if it was the national title game or if it was that other Might bowl. have been the SEC championship. The Iron Bowl, I think they call it. SEC, or I forgot what they call it. The, the, um, the game where Bama always plays Georgia, they have a name to the bowl, whatever. Um, he flew by the safety. He literally flew by him. The safety had no chance. It was like was you thought the Lewis I don't know if it was seen or if it was the other guy. Um, either way, he just yeah. flew right by the safety. Um, so also, like, if he does go deep, like, this is the thing. Like, teams, when he's on the field, you're going to have to, like, keep some guys deep. Keep that safety deep or play some sort of deep zone or deep coverage or something. Because if you play one-on-one and he beats that one-on-one, it's over. And you know what it's that over. means. You know what that it means? Is, it's a touchdown. It's over. No more stacked boxes when he's on the field. So that also gives you a factor. I told you, it's a carryover effect. It opens right, up yeah. the running game at that point, too. That's what I'm saying. Like, So you, you want to double Jamison? Okay, I got Chark, Hawkinson, and I'm in Rusty Brown. You want to leave Jamison one-on-one? All right, I'm going to throw it to him. Yeah, like, no, this is good, man. This is a very good situation. It kind of reminds me a little bit of like the Minnesota Vikings, just with a way better offensive line. Like I think Amon Ra and, and uh, Amon Ra and Jamison's kind of like your char or not your char uh, is like your Justin Jefferson and Thielen, and then like you got Swift is kind of like your Delvin Cook a little bit in that backfield, different style running backs, but like you know he's like your guy in the backfield. Right. Quarterbacks are kind of are kind of similar with Goff and Kirk. I just think our offensive line is way better than the Vikings. Yeah. Um. I also think Justin Jefferson is like way better than everything we have right now. But right now, but Jamison Williams. I mean, Jameson, crazy, yeah, crazy as it sounds. Yeah. He could be that guy. Like I have, I have just such a. I'm so confident he's going to be a wide receiver one in this league, and I'm not saying he's Justin Jefferson right now. I'm not going to say he's Jamar Chase. I'm not going there right now. But does he have the capability to being one of those guys, being a top receiver in this league, being a multiple time Pro Bowler? Percent, no doubt about it. Jameson yeah, Williams he, has that potential, and that's why absolutely. the Lions traded up 20 spots to go get him. Exactly. And the people that are concerned about his injuries. Guys, the, the people that have all the medical assignments, Brad Holmes, all their doctors, 
they did their research. You're not moving up 20 spots to get a guy that you're scared of his long-term jeopardy. So, funny thing is, Aaron Rodgers was on a Pat McAfee show. He thought the most pretty receiver in the draft, pro-ready receiver in the draft, was Jameson Williams. Williams. He's like, he ended up going to the Lions. Um, When Aaron, I mean, even Chris Sims, like, sometimes Chris Sims says stupid stuff, whatever, but Chris Sims also, like, thought that, too. Um, These are, like, NFL, Chris Sims, former NFL quarterback, ever. sometimes he just says stuff, but when Aaron Rodgers says something like that, Aaron Rodgers knows receivers. Like, he's a quarterback. He throws to them. So when Aaron Rodgers said, in my opinion, too, I thought he was number one before his injury. He got knocked down number two just because of the ACL. One was Gary Wilson. But man, like this guy is just he he could be a game. He could like he could be a Tyreek Hill type of player. Put it that way. Also, only two players in the NFL, I think, since 2017 or 2016, I forgot, clocked at 23 miles per hour. um, And during college last year. Jamison Williams clocked at 23 miles per hour. So that's the GPA tracker, guys. Like when the they GPA tracker. Track, yeah. 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 So he is fast, like speed, speed, like crazy speed. And if you guys think we're just two dweebs, Lions fans, we're, we're drooling over our picks right now, go look at the national media, what they're saying. Go look at all the, these writers, look at all these experts, even though we make fun of them a lot. Go look what they're saying right now about this Lions draft class and look what they're saying about Jamison Williams. And look how, look how they're saying how smart this pick is for the Lions and how aggressive this move was and how good the move was for them. So if you, if you don't trust us, okay, go read other people's opinions on it. There's a lot of people in agreement that what we're saying right now about Jameson Williams. So I think every Lions fan should be absolutely thrilled. And is this your favorite pick, Pierre? This is my favorite pick in the whole draft. I don't know if I, I like I like a lot of the picks. Um, I think Hutch was kind of obvious, right? Like I'm yeah. not going to count that one. I think it would be, like, if I had to pick, I think it'd be my favorite pick because never in my mind did I think it was going to be Jamison Williams. No. We all thought it was going to be a quarterback or Kyle Hamilton or something like yeah. that, right? Yeah. And then when you look at what you – you basically gave up a third-round pick, for being honest. You gave up a third-round pick to get Jamison Williams. I mean, that's that's crazy. And then when you saw what the receivers were going for during the draft, A.J. Brown, Marquis Hollywood – I mean, Hollywood, I don't know what the hell they're doing in Arizona, but Hollywood Brown – like, all what these guys were going Even for. Debo. Like, I know they didn't take the deal, but pick number 10 for Debo Samuel, that's a lot. I mean, even us, we offered 32 we offered 36. 32, yeah. So, yeah. And, and that just shows Brad Holmes. He was so eager to get a wide receiver one because I think he had the same vision as me. I, I've been saying this. Every wide receiver that hit, his, hit in the market, I've not necessarily agreed in saying the line should trade for this guy. Like, Tyreek, I was like, yeah, we shouldn't trade for Tyreek Hill. But, like, the argument I would make is if you get a Tyreek Hill, you get a Debo Samuel, or in this instance, you got a Jamison Williams. This offense just takes off so much more than what it is right now. It comes instantly so much better. It comes instantly top 10, top 12 in the league, just with the talent alone. Yeah, and it's nice to have a GM that like identifies a need and identifies the player and isn't scared to do and goes and gets that player. Um, I don't necessarily think we saw like that with Quinn like I don't think we saw that type of we, we've seen him move up before but I don't think he yeah. was necessarily as aggressive as Brad Holmes um was and also a good thing is about Holmes is they value like position versus position value positional value right the previous regime did it and athleticism too one more thing the Lions did not draft a single slow player I think we ranked according to it was the NFL 
like next gen stats, whenever they're next where that statistics. Stats, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think we were the number two team in the whole NFL that drafted athleticism. Like we're the most athletic, second most athletic team to, that we drafted players wise. There you go. Yeah. So no, I, I love this pick, man. Like the other ones, like we're gonna get into them. Like every pick, I like I, I saw that. Like that, that, every pick made sense. They weren't necessarily the sexiest picks. This is sexy. This is sexy. This is fun. I'm excited, man. I'm so excited, dude. And it's like, we didn't trade future picks. And that's the most important thing. I don't think we mentioned that. We didn't trade future picks. So we still yeah, have absolutely. all that draft capital coming into next year. And when you have a kind of question mark at quarterback, and I don't want to get too deep into that, but when you kind of have a question mark at quarterback right now, you still have that draft luxury, those draft picks to trade for a quarterback if you like to in the draft or a veteran, like we've seen like Russell Wilson or Stafford. Or if golf is your guy, you have two Man. first round picks. You built. Yeah, you have two first round picks to build with those with golf. So it's a win win situation, in my opinion. Or again, you package those first round picks, right? And you go, even if it's not a quarterback, you get a star like kind of how they did this year, right? Yeah. Like they're not right. afraid right. to do that. Or right. they go yeah. trade for a veteran. Like we saw they, they try to trade for Debo. Yeah. If there's a young veteran out there that wants a new contract and they, they think highly of him or whatever. If they're one piece away or something like that. Even if they're not one piece away, like they were going to trade for Debo. Like yeah. they'll do that. They don't care. They, yeah. They're aggressive. If they think a player could help them, they'll trade for that player. Exactly. It's just like the Colts a couple of years ago. They saw DeForest Buckner. They're like, okay, we have pick 20-something. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. We'll take DeForest Buckner because we know that take that could take our, our really pretty good defense to the next level with Buckner. And, and you know, then that yeah. paying out for them. I think that was pick 13 or 14. I forgot the Colts one. Anyways, but yeah, I agree. Yeah, so somewhere in that range, right? Like in the right. 20s, early teens, middle teens, somewhere around, whatever. Yeah, so. so. I love it, though, man. I didn't expect this. And again, I, I love it. absolutely love it. But let's move on. James Williams, yes, that was my favorite pick in the whole entire draft. But. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's go on to the second round. 
So yes, the Lions traded pick 34, so they ended up moving back 12 spots. It ended up being from the James Williams trade. So they picked at pick 46. They took edge rusher Josh Pascal from the University of Kentucky. Peter, how are you feeling about Josh Pascal being a Lion? I am feeling great about Pascal. Uh, here's the thing with him. So he's a good football player, but he's also a cancer survivor, which is a kind of cool story. Um, another thing with Pascal is on early downs, I think he's going to play defensive end. But on pass rushing downs, you could rush him from the interior, right? So um, I believe he was also a team captain. He all, I think he was a team captain. Three-time team sure. captain, I believe. Oh, thank you. Three-time team captain, yep. And he also had 102 pressures behind only Josh Allen in school history uh, in rushing the passer. 102 pressures in the SEC. So this guy could rush the passer. He could set the edge. And when you look at the Lions' run defense, they weren't good last year. They had Aiden Hutchinson, one of the best edge setters. They had John Pascal, one of the best edge setters. And they also had two guys who could rush from the interior as well. So it's a good pick. Hey, you can never have enough edge rushers. You can never have enough pass rushers in this league, man, especially Absolutely. in today's league. It's always been the formula that I've always said that I love my football teams to do in. Unfortunately, my previous regime valued the other way around. They like to build from the back and then the inside, where it's clear, man. Look at Brad Holmes. Out of his first six picks he's made in the draft, three of them, or four of them, actually, have been trench players. Penay Sewell, Ali McNeil, Levi Anzarike, and now you're adding Josh Pascal. So they, very, they, they, they value the trenches. They want to win the line to scrimmage. And... I think that's the formula of winning. I think that's the best formula of winning, I should say. I'm not saying it's the only formula, but that's the best formula to winning football games. I think the best football teams win from the line to scrimmage. The offensive line, their defensive line. That sets the tone of the game. And that's where the Lions want to win their football games. And you can never have enough of these guys. Um, you saw last year, you lost the guy that you had high hopes for, Romeo Acquire. He had a ruptured Achilles. So losing him... Your depth behind it was kind of suspect after that. So now with the Lions City, it was like, okay, if we get an injury, God forbid, we have guys now. We have guys that we're confident in, and that's what the good teams do. San Francisco, Bosa goes out, they still, they're still a good team. They're still a good line to scrimmage. Um, that, that's just what good teams do. You can right. never have enough of these guys. And, like, I was kind of just thinking about, like, from a future standpoint, like, First of all, hopefully Romeo Acquara returns, but if he doesn't, right, like you have an insurance policy in place and and Pascal, right? But I was kind of thinking about it in the future, like you, let's say you have Hutch and Pascal, like let's say in running downs, you have Hutch and Pascal on the edge, you have Big Aleem, Big Aleem in the middle. Where, where are you running? Like how, how are you going to run it on us? Like good luck running it on us. I feel like that's the vision, honestly, like just thinking like maybe a couple years down the road, hopefully Hutch, Pascal setting the edge, Big Aleem in the middle. I mean, Tyler, that's that's yeah, exciting put, when you, you think about it. You could put anyone at the three check at that point. <laughs> right? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And then, like, you have all these pass rushers, too. I feel like it opens stuff up for maybe Levi or your, your other interior guys, Aleem and all those other guys. And it's, it's just exciting when you think about it, man. It really is. You can never have enough of these guys, man. These are the guys that make the most impact on the game are the, the offensive line and the edge I know they're not the sexy position. It's not the wide receiver position. It's not the guys getting the interceptions. I know it's not the most sexy position, the quarterback, obviously. But this is what helps you win football games. 
And it's very important to get these type of guys. So getting Josh Pascal here at 46, it's a good pick, man. It's just a good pick. And he produced, like Peter right. said, Kentucky. That's the SEC team still. I know they're not the greatest football program, but that's still in the SEC. They play tough teams. And he still was able to produce some uh, for some very good offensive lines. He, he still has to play Georgia. He still has to play Alabama. And Pascal, Pascal performed, man. So I, I can't hate this pick. Uh, maybe he's not a day one starter, but I can tell you this right now. Defensive line going to play a lot. All around the NFL, you have to rotate all your guys in and out. It's not like the safety position. It's not like the linebacker position or the quarterback position where guys are playing 100% of the snaps. You have to rotate your defensive linemen. And you're going to see that with both your, your new edge rushers, Pascal, Hutchinson, just to go along with the guys you already have, Romeo, Charles Harris, maybe Julian Aquara, whoever makes the team. But um, – yeah, it's just going to be guys that are going to be playing a lot. I mean, Pascal should be getting 30 to 40% of different snaps probably, probably just from the start. Well, we'll see. But, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to play a lot if he starts or not. That's not really a big deal because he's going to play. You actually have a legitimate rotation. Like, I don't think you could have said that the past three. Like, this is the deepest line deal has been since, like, the Sioux and Fairley and all those other guys. 2014, right? yeah. The, the, this D-line is deep now. Now, maybe you could add another guy for the interior or whatever. They could look into that. I don't know. But overall, though, it, it's deep, and, and it's nice to have some depth. Like, if a guy goes down for a game or two, you're not as worried because you have Pascal, you have Aris, you have the Aquara brothers, you have um, Austin Bryant. Maybe he makes it. I don't know. You have the other kid we're going to talk about later, uh, James Houston, I think is his name. So, yep. yeah. So... I like this Pascal pick. I think it was overall solid pick. Again, you can never have enough of these guys. And it just shows the identity the Lions want to build. And they did, they did that. They did that with here, Josh Pascal pick 46. All right. right. Let's move on to pick 97, safety, Kirby Joseph from Illinois. Pierre, this is one of your guys. You know how we always yeah. have a list of my guys. This is one yeah. of your guys. Explain so, why Kirby Joseph is your guy. All right, one-year starter, he was first, I think he was a safety, then a wide receiver, then back to safety. One-year starter at safety, he finally put it all together in this year. He had five picks, ball hawk, elite range, needs to work on his tackling a little, but I'll say this. I think he's going to start off as safety three, Did like Tracy, Deshaun are the starters, but I wouldn't be shocked mid-season. They're like, all right, Deshaun, you're third safety now, and Kirby's going to be our starter with Tracy. Um, This guy, I think this guy could be really, really good, like, BFF had him as a number one ranked safety in college, just like off like production or whatever, right? Yeah. Obviously, he had one year of starter, so you could see why he fell. But this guy with the coaching staff, we have Aubrey AG, and I think it's Brian Duker. Yeah. Um, bro, look off. Like, this guy could be, I'm saying, like, really, really good. He could, he could be special. Just trust so, me on that. When, so, I, when so, I watched him, I was impressed. So explain what the Lions defense is going to look like, what kind of formations they're going to have out there. So the – to the, you know, the casual fan, you should expect yeah. to see three safeties on the field, right? Um, for um, a lot of the game. So, so I think the base is going to be a four-two-five, like on early downs, which is basically four defensive linemen, two linebackers, and um, five DBs, whether they're safeties, corners, whatever. Yeah. And then I think like if they're obvious, really obvious passing downs, you take one linebacker and you put another DB, whether it's a safety or not. So yeah, you're going to see a lot of three safety looks. They like to run a lot of three safety looks. Uh, on passing downs, you're going to see a lot of two-shell, like two-man probably. They did a lot of two-man and cover two last year on third down. Man on the outside, two safeties deep, basically. 
They'll so, probably mix in other coverages, but they played a lot of two-man last year in cover two. So even though Kirby Joseph not, but not, might not be a day one starter because you have Tracy Walker, you gave the new accession to, and you got Deshaun Elliott, you have a guy that's going to get pretty decent looks just from the get-go. Week one, you would assume, because the depth in the safety room is pretty thin right now. So you would assume Kirby Joseph, Joseph already steps into that, that safety three spot, I would assume, right now. I mean, bro, even if we had someone there, he's good. He just hasn't played a lot when you're like one year a starter right one year starter so maybe he's like a little raw but i wouldn't be shocked if he picks it up real fast and just gets going he's yeah. good he is yeah. really good i like him a lot um he has something he needs to work out obviously but at 97 man i thought he was going to be the pick at 66 when we got him at 97 i was shook and i think also you have to factor in just like where safeties go around the league in, in the draft like tracy walker was a late third round pick and a guy that you liked a lot a couple of years ago. I know he's more of a nickel and he plays safety, but Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, I think he was a fourth-round pick. I feel like a lot of these safeties we see, I mean, we obviously see see guys like Kyle Hamilton. They still go around one. We still see that. But yeah. I feel like a lot of like the starting safeties we see around the league, just because of the positional value, it's not up there with the edge rushers. It's not up there with the quarterbacks. It's not up there with the offensive line. So that's why you right. just see the fall in the draft with these guys. So getting a starter at 97, I think this is a very legitimate possibility here with Kirby Joseph. Yeah, maybe not right away. But, but at some point. Like, at some point, yeah, for sure. Um, he might like make some mistakes early on just because he's a one-year production, one-year starter. But again, the Lions aren't afraid to throw young guys out there, and they said that. Like, the more you play, the faster you learn, right? So... And we also have to factor in, not as difficult as the cornerback position, but defensive back in general, one of the toughest transitions going from college ball to the NFL. So like Pierce said, there could be a, a bit of rust or a bit of adjustment period for sure. So, um, But overall, I think the talent that you're getting here with Kirby Joseph, especially at pick 97, you're, when you're getting that late into the third round, it's essentially almost a fourth-round pick. Um, so the, this Campbell looks said like they started. Today, Campbell said today at 97 wanted to take it um, – he was shocked that they, he was. They were shocked that he was there at ninety-seven. Like mm -hmm. they obviously value him a lot higher than that. So that was nice to see. And for those that think the Lions were targeting the cross, I, I don't think so because of what Campbell said today. I think Kirby was their guy, and the Colts kind of were just going to be safe. Like, yo, let's take Nick Cross. He's our guy. The Lions ended up with their guy because Kirby Joseph came in for a visit here. Uh, they did a lot of work on him before that. So man, it's it's really exciting when you think about it. Something interesting, not necessarily connected with Kirby Joseph, but just with the whole draft class in general. But the Lions working at the Senior Bowl, I think everyone probably just assumed that they would take a guy or two from the Senior Bowl roster. And they actually didn't draft a single guy from the Senior Bowl, which is, what is it, shocking, but just a little surprising, I would say. Just assuming. From, yeah, I think. Did they draft anyone from the Jets roster? No. No, no one from the Senior Bowl at all. No one okay. that participated in the Senior Bowl was the Lions. Wasn't Chase, was Chase Lucas in the Senior Bowl? No, I don't think so. All right. I'm not sure about that one. I think he was. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I didn't. I, I thought I saw. I'm almost positive. I thought I saw they didn't draft. They didn't draft a single player that was in the Senior Bowl. Sometimes it works that way, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it just shows that. I think Brad even said it, too. Is like, even though we're coaching the Senior Bowl, we can't fall too in love with these guys we still have to keep an eye out for the juniors or the guys that are not going to be at the senior bowl and we got to give everyone the fair estimation even though we're we are getting more hands-on experience with these guys but i do think it was a little interesting because i feel like when you coach the senior bowl game i feel like the trend is we see around the league is 
usually you get a couple guys from your roster, just the guys that were participating in the senior bowl in general, but the Lions elected not to go that route. So I thought it was a bit interesting. Yeah, I mean, they just followed their board, and, and I like how they did that. All right, let's go on to the fifth round because the Lions didn't have a fourth-round pick, and they didn't end up doing any trades up or trading back to accumulate a fourth-round pick. So let's go ahead and skip to the fifth round. I'm trying to see what pick it was exactly. Oh, I got it right here. Pick 177, tight end James Mitchell from Virginia Tech. What's your yeah. what's your so when you when you look at Virginia Tech, um, people were projecting him to go uh, like a third round, like late third, early fourth type, but he got hurt. But you look at his production, um, 2019, 21 receptions, 361 yards, 17.2 um, average like catch, right? And then 2020, he had 26 catches for 435, 16.7. Then un- unfortunately, he, he season was cut short in 2021, five receptions for 42 yards. This is a guy who, Tyler, I told you to watch it. He's, he looks like a bigger receiver, right? Red zone threat for you. Needs to work on his blocking, but he's shown a little flashes there. This is a guy who could be your tight end, too. Um, he's athletic. You see it on tape. He didn't test because he has a torn ACL, but he should be ready because it was earlier in the year when he tore it. Um, very athletic. I think it's a good risk to take in the fifth round. If it doesn't work out, whatever. If it does, you have your tight end, too. Yeah, I mean, this is a very thin room. In the tight end, in the tight end room for the Lions right now, they didn't really do much to address the tight end room. They obviously still have T.J. Hawkinson, and then after that, it's just you don't really know who's going to be the tight end too. It might be Mitchell, it might be the the guy they got from the Saints, Griffin. What's his name? Garrett Griffin, I believe his name is. And then yeah. they got um, Brock Wright still from Notre Dame. He was solid for them, undrafted guy. Um, but this, their tight end room is very thin right now. So James Mitchell, assuming that he's healthy and ready for camp. I think he's. I think he said he's going to be ready for camp. So assuming he's ready for camp, he has a legitimate opportunity to be the tight end too. I think he'll be on this team regardless. I think they'll carry three tight ends if they have to, but I think he's going to have a legitimate opportunity to be the day one tight end too. I wouldn't be completely shocked, but I also wouldn't be completely shocked if they went another route with Brock or or Griffin, uh, just because I think they could use some more blocking at the tight end position because James Mitchell's not the greatest blocker. Hawkinson obviously needs to improve his blocking, so I could see them. Maybe going Griffin as their as their backup tight end, or maybe going Brock there. I wouldn't be completely shocked there. So um, James Mitchell should make this team. Though. I, I, that that should happen for sure. Yeah, um, I showed you a clip of him, and maybe we could describe to the listeners like he caught the ball and he ran with it. He's like a yak type of guy too. He could be like a yak type of guy, and in the red zone, I mean, you just throw it up and he should come down with it. What he's six four, two fifty. So good pick again. Good pick like. I don't think there was a pick I hated in the draft, but we could keep going on to the next pick. Yeah. So just to confirm, yes, the Lions didn't draft any single senior bowl player. All right. Thank you. My bad. I was wrong on that. All right. Uh, going on to the sixth round. So the Lions had two six-round picks. And Brad Holmes tried to keep us uh, awake a little longer or, or, you know, keep our eyes on the draft a little bit because he traded back in this in this sixth-round Cumulated another seventh-round pick, so we had to talk about a whole nother pick. But let's get into pick 188. He took linebacker Malcolm Rodriguez from Oklahoma State. I like that name. What's your thoughts on Malcolm Rodriguez? This is an undersized linebacker, but he could straight-up fly to the ball. Um, he's not like your prototypical linebacker, but he is super athletic. And I read a thing 
it was, I think, Dane Bierkler, he had this in his scouting report. He said this is a guy who could come in camp and be a starter week one. Like, that's, he's small, but he plays, like, with heart, and he plays a lot bigger than his size. He's going to contribute. I think first he's going to contribute on special teams. And I wouldn't be shocked if he starts to take some snaps away from one of the starters at linebacker because I think he's going to be hard to keep off the field. Especially with Anzalone, you got a veteran there. I think he's very replaceable. Like you maybe start off the season with Alex, and then um, at some point you want to transition some of the young guys. You still got Barnes here too. Um, you, you brought in Chris Board from Baltimore, and now you got Malcolm Rodriguez. He brought back JD. So you have some competition with that linebacker spot. And you mentioned it just a couple minutes ago when we were talking about the defensive formations. Not too many linebackers are usually on the field for the Lions. It's usually two, maybe three, but usually two linebackers on the field for the Lions. So snaps are going to be very limited at that position. So it's going to definitely be an uphill battle for Malcolm Rodriguez being a six-round pick to getting one of those spots. But I feel like potential-wise, yeah, he definitely has a potential to be one of those guys to to steal some defensive snaps and, and be a, a linebacker starting here potentially. Yeah, I think maybe special teams year one probably. Then maybe year two, he him and Barnes. If Barnes works, hopefully Barnes works out this year. But if him and Barnes uh, work out, that's, that's huge because you have in like – Year three of Barnes and year two of Rodriguez, you're ready to go at linebacker pretty much. That'd be phenomenal, too, getting a guy like that in the sixth round. I mean, that's a bit of a reach, obviously, asking that of a sixth-round pick. But if you could get that potential, it seems like the media, I'm not going to lie and act like I watch a bunch of Malcolm Rodriguez before the pre-draft process, but just reading up on him, um, respecting guys like Dane Bugler, uh, that they're saying a lot of, that this could be a sleeper for the Lions. This could be a guy that could be a starter for you down the line. So... You know, I'm definitely looking forward to watching him in, in his Lions career and see what could end up happening. Again, I don't expect too much out of him year one or at least going into the season. But maybe as the season goes on, maybe he could get a bigger role in this team and maybe even going into 2023 potentially because outside of Derek Barnes, you have no linebackers under contract. So Malcolm Rodriguez has every ability to take a spot if maybe not being a starter, but just being a guy that sticks around the team, if that's special teams or just being a guy on the team, they can count on if they need him to, to come in for an injury or whatever. Right. So right. we'll see it. We'll see how that goes. And if, if he could be on the team for the next couple of years, <clears throat> even if it's just special teams, that's a major W in the sixth round for sure. Yeah. And also we, we talk about that, but when you look at the Rams, the reason why the Rams are so good, they could pay all these guys so much money because they have all these guys they draft. And a lot of them like, I don't want to say they're stars, but they're good players like for what they ask them to do. Like they don't like screw up big time. They're they're solid starters. Yeah. So if if the Lions could do that too, like with these guys they're drafting on day three, for example, like Malcolm Rodriguez, if he works out, that'd be huge. Who's that linebacker the Rams had a few years ago? Now he went with to the Raiders. Um, uh, Littleton. Corey yeah, Littleton? Corey Littleton. I think he was undrafted, I believe, by the Rams, right? He, he started for exactly, them. but yeah, that sounds about right. I don't think another guy is was last year. They took um, Ernest Jones. Yeah, he was er, good. Ernest Jones, he was a rookie and he played well for them. I think he was a fourth round pick, if I'm not mistaken, for them. Um, but uh, yeah, man. So no, he, Ernest Jones was pick 103. That's still pretty late though. So and he was starting for them. So if the Lions could get that That's out of fourth, Barnes. Or is that late third? Late third, early fourth? That was like a comp, I think, third or something Probably, like that. Yeah, you're right, yeah. So late third? Yeah, so if you could um, 
do that with Barnes and potentially Rodriguez, you're pretty much good at linebacker, like your starters. If hopefully they work out, I mean, we got to see more from Barnes, and we don't even know what Rodriguez is yet in the NFL. Yeah, big question mark, but there looks like there's something to work here. Very good tackler, undersized is probably the reason why he fell in this draft, but. I mean, if you guys followed me throughout the process, I was a big Nicobe Dean guy. He's undersized. I don't really care about the size too much about the linebackers. If you could show me some speed, you could tackle, show me some athleticism. That's more important to me than as far as right. the height and, and the you know the weight. I want to see more athleticism more than I care about the height, honestly, at that position. And uh, Malcolm Rodriguez is definitely have to improve on some on some things like his coverage skills that are kind of poor right now. Absolutely. But, I mean, it's a six round pick. So if it doesn't work, it's out, a good risk. You can yeah, play special teams at worst. He's special teams. If it doesn't work, you cut him on. That's probably worst case scenario. You cut him. He doesn't. Oh work. yeah. Yeah. I'm but saying if like not, be on the yeah. roster and just play special teams. If he's a long-term special teams guy, that's a huge win. It's a huge six round pick. Yeah. I mean, a lot of six round picks don't make rosters. Even like the opening day roster. And, in the initial draft class, they don't make the team. Right. So, I like the risk here. Thin room and linebacker, so I think he should have a fair opportunity to make this team. I don't think we have to worry about cutting him, but I think as far as his role in the team, that's going to be something to keep an eye out for. But I'm definitely intrigued to see him in camp this year, intrigued to see what he could do in preseason and everything. I'm intrigued to see Malcolm Rodriguez for sure. Yep. All right, let's go to pick 217. Another six-round pick, James Houston, outside linebacker, Jackson State, Deion Sanders. What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, so uh, he was originally at Florida. I believe he played middle linebacker for them. And then he transferred Jackson State, and he had 16 and a half sacks. Now, um, now take that with a grain of salt. Take that with a grain of salt because it's an HBCU school. Obviously, production is production. He produced. But I think this pick is kind of more like a um, – Hey, let's bring in competition for the edge rushers we have. Let's bring in competition for the linebackers we have. Let's see if we can play some special teams. I don't think it's like a, um, like a like a guy who they think is just gonna come and just. I mean, it's the sixth round pick, right? Two seventeen, or is that seven? Is that six or seven? It was a six, late six. Six. So it, again, it's a good risk to take. This is a guy who produced in college, who's athletic. Um. He works out, he works out. He doesn't have a good day. I mean, again, good pick, good risk to take here. Yeah, me and Pierre were talking before the show. I wouldn't say this guy's necessarily locked to make the team, but you, you definitely see some potential production's production, like Pierre said. And we're going to see the transition. I mean, it could definitely be a transition coming from the HBCU, coming to the NFL. That's a, that's a huge transition. So we'll see. It's a, it's, it's a deep room right now because you brought in Hutchinson. You brought in Pascal. You brought back Charles Harris. You still have Austin Bryant. You still have Julian Aquari. You got Romeo Aquari coming back from his injury. So it's a deep room right now. And depending on the role that they have for him, you know, that, that it can be difficult and uphill climb for him to make this team. But definitely an intriguing prospect to keep an eye out for. It's pick 217. If he doesn't make the team, I don't think people are <laughs> I don't think too many people are pissed off about that, taking that risk. Worst case scenario, I think he clears waivers, hopefully, maybe. And this is, uh, I don't even know why I'm talking about this so early into it, but if he doesn't work out, maybe you get him on the practice squad and maybe at some point he can make his debut for the Lions. We'll so, um, right. It's, it's a deep room right now, so he's got uphill climb. But if he can prove he could be a guy and make the 53, all kudos to him. It's going to be it's gonna be a battle, though. It's going to be tough for him, for sure. Yeah. All right. Let's go to pick two two. 237, I can't speak right now. Last pick of the draft for the Lions. They take cornerback Chase Lucas 
from Arizona State. And a crazy fun fact, I believe Chase Lucas right now is the second oldest defensive back in our DBs rule right now, and he's a rookie. Yeah. You want to know another fun fact? He didn't allow a single touchdown last year, and he played over 250 snaps. It's impressive. Yeah. Um, so the reason why he fell, obviously, he's 25. I don't think he necessarily has a high ceiling. I think he kind of is what he is. Um, he plays 16% of his snaps outside. The rest were inside. He He's a versatile player. Um, he's productive. But his, he's just not like. He's not like a guy where, like, you see, like, oh, I could turn this guy into a superstar. I think he kind of is what he is. Um, he's had 34 passes defended in his in his career. He started a lot of games. Uh, Tyler, he's actually the third oldest player in the Lions uh, locker room. But, yeah, Lions corner room. Who's the second? I know Tracy. Is it Amani? Or Hughes? I'm not sure, but I know. So, here it says he's the third highest. Third I'll oldest right or whatever. Yeah. Um, keeps, keeps speaking. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> anyways, though, like this guy's a smart football player. He played for Herm Edwards, right? Herm Edwards, uh, highly respected in the NFL. I believe Marvin Lewis was also on that staff. So he's been coached by like NFL people, really good coaches. Um, hey, this is a guy who's going to provide competition for the lower end guys. I might not even make the roster, honestly, but that's okay. It's, it's a seventh round pick. You don't expect that of a seventh round pick. So, again, another good risk to take or whatever you want to call it. Like, none of these picks had you like, huh? I don't get, like, what are we doing here? I don't get it. Right? Like, I never had that feeling in the draft, honestly. With, with Bob Quinn, we, we did a little, right? But um, with Holmes, we did it. Holmes is not drafting long stampers and fullbacks. <laughs> so, Chase Lucas, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, uh, I, I he's older than Mike Hughes by like less than a month. So he's like, yeah, the fourth right now, I think. Fourth oldest, which is kind of crazy to think about because he's a rookie. But again, man, I don't really have much expectation for the kid. I mean, not the kid. He's way older than me. He, yeah. He's third, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm older than him, but yeah. Yeah. No, I don't really have much expectation for Chase, but. Again, it's like you got a, a deep defensive background, kind of like Houston. You know, he's going to have an uphill climb to make this team. But, hey, again, all kudos to him if he makes a team. If he could prove that he's a guy that they could keep around, that's all kudos to him. I mean, I wouldn't call it crazy. The Lions brought two undrafted corners last year. They brought in Jerry Jacobs. They brought in A.J. Parker last year on the 53rd-man roster. And granted, yes, there's more competition this year. I think there's more better players this year compared to last year. But, hey. You prove yourself in camp. You prove yourself in mini camp. You could win a spot on this team. And we've seen the Lions. They're not going to prioritize a veteran over a young guy if just because they're a veteran. They're going to take whoever they believe is the, the best 53. So Chase is, he has the opportunity to prove himself here. So I'm going to say this. I'm a big fan of A.J. Parker, but A.J. Parker only played inside. And I believe no special teams. Mm-hmm. Chase Lucas, for example, could play inside and outside. Hughes could play inside, outside. I think even Will Harris, he played inside-outside. Not ideal, but he played inside-outside. I think maybe A.J. Parker, if I had to guess right now, he's on the outside looking in on the bubble. And, and that's something Brad Holmes brought up. He actually brought that same exact quote, basically, essentially saying is, like, if your guys are similarly, like similarly ranked and this guy offers me more versatility, he could play the outside, he could play nickel, he could play special teams. We're going to usually alter to the guy that could play multiple positions 
rather than a guy that just could stick at one position. So, um, like, yeah, A.J. Parker, if he's just strictly a nickel corner, that could be tough for him with the guys that are versatile like Lucas and all the guys that we're, we're getting in. He brought in Hughes this offseason, and you get in Jerry back, you get in Akuda back. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be it's gonna be a tough hill for, for a lot of these rooms. But what do we say? In every single position, you want to see competition, competition, competition. You want to see competition. And competition brings the best out of people. And if you can't handle it, then you don't belong here. You don't belong on the team. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I think you overall look at this whole draft class. And, yes, there's some question marks in some positions. Like the interior, I, don't, I think there's there could be still some competition, like you mentioned there earlier. I think right. tight end. I think the depth there is still a little suspect. Quarterback, I don't expect them to do much there, but a little suspect that depth wise. I know Goff's the guy, obviously, to be the starter, but the backup, I think, is a little suspect. They you know, like on the I, I, I think it's me, I think it's me, Boyle, yeah. Um, but I think there's still some room for competition at some certain spots, but I think you could overall look at this team in many different positions. You can look at the defensive back room, there's healthy competition. You could look at the wide receiver room, healthy competition. Offensive line room, I think there's some pretty good competition as well. And that's really all you could ask for. And we're going to see some really good battles in the preseason. We're going to see some really good battles in training camp. And I can't wait. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, briefly, I just want to bring up some undrafted guys to just uh, some names real fast. So I believe it's 11 guys uh, they agreed to terms to. Wide receiver Khalil Pimpleton, defensive tackle Demetrius Taylor, running back Greg Ball, offense tackle, is it Abina Eze? I don't know. Um, big boy. Wide, really big. Wide receiver Corey Sutton, tight end Noah Given, wide receiver Josh Johnson, tight end Derek Deese, defensive back Cedric Boswell, offensive lineman Zane Obeyed, I think it is, uh, guard Kevin Jarvis, and DB Jermaine Waller. So, I mean, we we, we kind of talked about, like, the depth at OT. Well, we didn't necessarily talk about it on the show today, but we were texting about it. Um, maybe Eze could push Dan Skipper. The tight ends, we were talking about how the tight ends room was very, like, um, not good. Maybe Given or Deese could push Brock Ray and those other guys or the the blocker, the guy, was it Gilbert or something his name is? Yeah, Griffin Gilbert. Yeah, so maybe they could push him, the guard, Jarvis, and uh, Zane Obey. Maybe they could push Tommy Kramer and Logan Stenberg, right? We're talking about competition. DB, uh, Jermaine Waller, like, you have Brady Breeze, you have CJ Moore, Will Harris, um, so maybe you could push those guys, right? So competition, competition, competition. It's good to have. Even running back Greg Bell. I know oh, yeah. we have Swift and Williams, but like yeah, that, 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 that could be one too. I mean, guys like Reynolds, you got Ikebuke, you got Jefferson. I mean, those guys are not safe. I think Pimpleton, I, I know it's going to be very tough for him to make this spot, but I think a lot of Lions fans are very excited about that, him being a Central Michigan kid and being very exciting. So that's going to be a fun guy to watch during camp and a fun guy during to watch during preseason and maybe a practice squad guy, maybe. That's what I was thinking, yeah. Demetrius Taylor, yeah. Uh, he could rush from the interior. Maybe, like, if he makes some splash plays, he can make the team because the Lions do have John Penasini and Ali McNeil. I don't necessarily know if they want to carry two nose tackles, right? So maybe... Maybe Taylor could push Penasini out the door. I, I'm just saying Cornell or something. You never know. Like I'm just bringing yeah. stuff up. Yeah. Um, so again, good competition to have, and we'll see what happens. The wide receivers, obviously, like it's 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 going to be a uphill battle for those guys. But I mean, you you could look at a lot of these guys being practice squad guys potentially. I feel like that's usually the trend it goes. A lot of your UDFA's if they don't end up signing or getting claimed by different teams. 
you usually try to bring them back on your practice squad. So I think not maybe not, I mean, you might get a couple like one or two of these guys and actually making the 53, but I think majority of them, not all of them, obviously, but you can look at a majority of these guys at the UDFA class. You could look at them as being practice squad guys for you. And maybe they play a game for you or two somewhat at some point during the season. Another thing is too, um, this way to talk about, I just want to bring up briefly the waiver wire, the lines have second priority, like all when all the cuts Until happen and stuff. week six, I believe, right? Or week five. Something like that. I forget yeah. the rules. I always forget that. But um, like during training camp, when like they have teams have to cut down their rosters 53, let's say the Lions like a player who was released, the Jags don't take him. Lions have next priority. They could yeah. take him. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're talking very early. That's way it's after way the too early. Yeah. I just wanted to briefly bring it up no, because yeah, yeah. that's how you could add more depth to your team. Or because what Bob Quinn found Romeo Aquara, um, the JD Brown. McKissick. J.D. McKissick. I don't necessarily know if Brad Holmes has really went into the waiver wire as much. He, I don't think he claimed anybody. He last did year. trade for Trinity Benson last year. Yeah. That just didn't work out, but it, it is what it is. It wasn't a big I, I, don't, I don't think Brad claimed anyone because if you're claiming someone, you have he has to be on your 53. So, right. you know, that, that's you have to. That's why you don't always see the like like a crazy amount of waiver claims for a certain guy. You wait till they're free agents and then, you know, maybe get them on the P squad or something like that. Yeah. Now, uh, Pierre, very quick question. Are they keeping veterans on the P-Squad again this year, or is that was that just for COVID? I know COVID restrictions are gone. I so. believe it's going to be the same rules this year. I haven't heard anything otherwise. Okay. Um, if we hear something, we'll update the listeners and everything. But I believe it's going to be same as last year. I think teams like that, you have veterans, you have young guys. I like guys. that rule, personally, yeah. You protect, like, you protect, like, five guys, I think it is, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I, I, I think that was a good rule, honestly. I like it better than just having guys at, like, three years under experience and stuff like that. I like this rule better where you could have some, you know, some veterans on your P-Squad. Yeah, I, I like it a lot, actually, because... Instead of just signing them to your roster, you could have them like on the P squad. If yeah. they're not ready, keep them on there. It's like Roby Coleman last year. You know, he was on the P squad, and then they brought him out for a couple of games when they had some injuries. So, you know, I, I love that rule. I hope they keep that rule. Me too. All right. Uh, before we leave here, what's your overall draft grade? I hate draft grades, but we got to do it. Tyler, it's- I don't want to do this. <laughs> I'm going to sound like a homer. Okay. I don't, I don't do this usually. I'm going to be an A. Yeah. I mean, a a plus whatever you want to give it like it was it went really well uh, maybe a not a plus i'd say a it's hard to be perfect but it was pretty damn close to perfect like just because like we talked about it you added depth and positions that you needed you added a receiver that you didn't really have that you haven't had in a while since like calvin arguably like a speedster type type player like that um by calvin i mean speed i'm not talking about size guy speed so listeners don't go crazy you added D-line. No, we always talk about D-line. The highest D-line that Brad, uh, Bob Quinn took was Julian Robinson. Third round. Oh, right. I'm that. My bad. A-Sean. I'm talking about edge rusher. Yeah, edge rusher. It was, yeah. it was Julian Aquara in the third round. Yep. They do it in the first two rounds this year. Right? I'm telling you, the first six picks, Brad Holmes' first six picks has taken four trench players. And he took three edge players. Well, you could say one could play linebacker, edge, whatever. We'll see. James Houston. Um, by the way, we didn't mention this on the pod, but James Houston's nickname is the problem. You know, like Houston, we have a problem. No. So, yeah, yeah. That's no, I, I I hate draft grades, and I I don't give out A's very often. But it's just very difficult to see what went wrong here. There's not really anything that went wrong here. I think everything went pretty much up to plan. I think exceeded expectations. If you told me by the end of the draft 
at the end of Thursday that you're going to uh, end up with Jamison Williams and 800 on your football team, I wouldn't believe you. And you're going to keep a second-round pick. I wouldn't believe you. Yeah, I would have thought like you're high on something. Like, I wouldn't believe you. Or what are you saying right now? Yeah, I'm with you. Um, honestly, we just talked about every pick. There was no head scratcher. No. Like, it was it was all it was all interesting. Like, every pick made sense when you thought about it. And, and Peter, I don't know if you've heard this from me, but you definitely heard this from me. I always say this: take away, take three starters in every draft class, and that's how you stockpile, and that's how you start winning. Last year, I think they got three. I think you got Penne, Amonra, and I think you got Aline. I think those are three starters for the long run. I think we got three here this year, and maybe more. I think potentially I'm, you could have more. We'll see. We'll see. I'm very confident we have two. Like Hodgson and Jameson, I'm confident we have two. After Absolutely. that, I want to see some more out of Pascal. I want to see how we adjust the NFL. But, like, I feel good about these guys. But, like, I'm confident. Right now in May, I'm calling my shot right now. Jameson Williams. 800 they're gonna be two stars for the long run like last year all i would tell you is penesu I, I would say we'll wait and see for everybody else i'm giving you two this year i'm giving you james Williams. i'm giving you Hutchinson. so when you actually think about this like the lions drafted potentially a, i mean game changer in Sewell, right like he's a stud mm-hmm. um you have that in Hutchinson, in my opinion as well and then you, and then you have that and jameson williams you're potentially adding three stars superstar stars same brown yeah same brown same brown in the fourth but um, you're potentially adding, like, let's say, four superstars in two drafts. Now, imagine if you have a next draft or whatever, or you see that vision. Like, last year, we were kind of little, like, yo, what are they going to do and stuff? Like, we didn't really know. But now, you see the vision of how they're building it, what they want to do in the long run. I can confidently say I think this is almost over, too. Like, I think we're, like, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. I think it's going to be an okay season in 22. But I think we're getting to that point where... We're like right there. We're like almost that finish line. Like it's kind of like when you're a junior in high school or you're a junior in college. Like you kind of see the end of the tunnel. Like you're almost there. Like you're about to apply for graduate school or you're about to apply for your graduation and get the cap and gown. Like that's when you kind of see the finish line. And that's where yeah. I feel like that's where I feel like the lines are right now. I feel like they're juniors in high school right now. They're juniors in college. They're right there at the end of the tunnel. I feel like it's like you see it now. It's almost done. When you're a freshman, sophomore, you're like, damn, how am I going to get there? <laughs> and that's where the Lions were last year. I feel like now they're, like, right there. You know, they're very close. They see the end of the tunnel. Yeah, man. Um, it's really exciting. Yeah. All right. I hope you guys all enjoyed this episode. I hope it wasn't too, like, slappy, too optimistic for you. Because, I like, guys, if you've listened to me enough and this is your first episode, this is a terrible first episode because I'm not this optimistic about them. I, we keep it real. We really do keep it real. But – and and I and I tried to like try to find something that like I didn't like about this, but I couldn't. I could I loved everything about this thing so much about this draft, and it was just very difficult for me not to say anything good things about this thing. And I just love the direction this team is going. So if this is your first episode, it might it might sound bad. It might just sound like I'm a, a pure Kool Aid drinker. But like I swear I'm not doing that. So yeah, um, I don't know. For me, there was one thing that kind of like I thought maybe they should have done, but if the board didn't, it was taking an offensive tackle. But then when I saw the undrafted thing, they landed that kid out of TCU. Yeah. A lot of teams, like a lot of like media had him sixth, seventh round player or whatever. So like 
okay, like I could live with that. They signed him and they gave him a big deal too. So and that's like that's nitpicking to the, the that exactly. Know. But that's yeah. just like you know you don't want Dan Skipper as your fourth offense. That's what I'm saying. Like that's very nitpicking though. Like we're bitching about a six out of round pick we could have had. Exactly. No, like yeah. if I had to like. That's what I'm saying. Like one yeah. thing, it would be that honestly. That's Other what than I'm that, saying. man. And that's if that's the only problem we're walking away with is that we didn't draft a tackle in the sixth or seventh round. I think we're in very good hands. Like, you should be very happy. They landed two of my players in the top ten, Hutch yeah. and Jamison. I mean, that's that's franchise changing. Like if those guys think what we think they are, that that helps you a lot, man. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well. I hope you guys all enjoyed this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed all the coverage throughout the whole draft. It was absolutely amazing. We're getting to that point where it's going to be a little dead uh, around this time till like, honestly, early August till training camp, or late July, I would say. Once training camp starts kicking off, that's when it really starts to get real. But I just want to thank you guys all again so much for all the support throughout the whole draft, throughout the whole offseason. It's been absolutely amazing. And I hope you guys all enjoyed it. And I'm signing out, guys. Peace. All right, guys. Like Tyler said, uh, the future is bright here. Uh, just stay patient. We'll get there eventually. And I am out. Peace. Peace.